I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 60. If you're prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckberg. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today. Ron Swift is the CEO of Radius Financial. He's been in the mortgage business for 32 years, started out as a mortgage broker and will slowly work his way up to becoming CEO in 2000. And I'm absolutely stoked for this interview today. Ron, are you ready to rock? I sure am. Awesome. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business? Because no one starts out as a little kid and says, hey, I want to be a CEO of a national lending, a national lender. So how did you uh, how did you get started? No problem. Yeah, well, I uh, came from the West Coast, uh, born and raised, uh, did my schooling there. Um, once I finished my schooling, uh, which was uh, BCIT, British Columbia Institute of Technology, I was in the business administration area and uh, graduated in 1983 from that. And then a few months, a couple months after graduating, decided I guess it's time to get a job. And we just had come through a fairly sizable recession. In fact, one of the largest recessions we had seen in decades uh, in the early 80s. And uh, so there weren't a lot of job opportunities, especially in sort of uh, uh, middle management and beginning and uh, sort of in the starting track of management. So I looked in the papers, saw an ad one day for a, uh, I, do you want to make a lot of money? Do you have a real estate or mortgage broker's license? And, uh, and, and yeah, you're good with numbers. So I thought, hey, that looks like me. Applied, found out that was a job to become a mortgage broker. So it didn't even say in the ad it was a mortgage broker. It just yeah. it was just advertising, make a lot of money, good with numbers. You bet. And and of course, and then when I went to the interview, uh, you know, it was right downtown of Vancouver in one of the high rise uh, office towers, and uh, you know, go into a big uh, uh, corner office, you know, big leather chairs, the whole nine yards, and and uh, uh, was asked a few questions, and they hired me on the spot. And I tell you, I thought I was really probably something that you know the world really wanted to see a lot more of because i just nailed that interview didn't realize as a mortgage broker that they were going to hire anybody that came through that door but at the time i started <laughs> was it commission pure 100 percent commission yeah that's and, awesome and, and at the time just so you know here's, here's how i was dating myself when i started as the trainee the splits were 25 75 25 for me 75 percent for the house right wow yeah, that was what it was in 1983, and I never made my first sale of any commissions, and I started there in the beginning of the summer and made my first uh, commission dollars in December of that year. So I worked for about five months with no money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so you, but you learned, you know, through that you learned, you know, about the business. It was private lending is what I got involved in, and it made you start to understand, um, you know, how to put deals together, how to, uh, you know, and uh, dealing with customers and everyone has a story mm-hmm. and uh, you know and uh, whether someone's truly qualified or not qualified everyone has a story and most people want to have a house and it's just a matter of can you put the story and you know together with the right lender and put a deal together so that was a great learning for me however after a couple of years of doing that because of my background I, I, I in starting a family at that time uh, and my my family saying you should really get a real job and and, and not this brokering commission kind of thing Mm-hmm. But a real job with a real paycheck. I ended up uh, responding to an, uh, and uh, getting a job with Mutual Life in Vancouver to run a residential mortgage uh, business in BC, and that was 1987. And so it was from that that you know I started in the business, uh, and then uh, went away and worked with uh, First Line for five years, running their BC operations, 
and then got recruited back by a Mutual Life, who was going to make a big play. This is 1994, and they were going to be they wanted to be the big play in the industry to become the next largest uh, lender when it comes to the broker channel, and they wanted to, to uh, replace uh, First Line as that uh, as that lender. Unfortunately, six months after starting back with them, uh, Mutual Life decided that they no longer viewed residential mortgages as a asset class that they needed to have anymore, and decided they wanted to exit uh, the business altogether. Uh, and it took us a couple of years to figure out a strategy how to do that. Uh, but that's when uh, the formation of MCAP came together, uh, bringing in uh, Mutual Life, which in turn sold itself to Sun Life. Thank you, Montreal came on board, and and then uh, some senior management got to. Uh, some ownership, and we created uh, the company that a lot of people today would know as, as AMCAP. Mm-hmm. And so that was uh, 1999. So meantime, I just got promoted up, taking over running uh, BC region, national regions, uh, moved to uh, Toronto, and then I got appointed uh, in 2000 as the president CEO of MCAP Mortgage Corp. 2004, we consolidated Service Corp and Mortgage Corp together, and I became the president of both those companies. And then in 2011, in October, I, uh, after uh, 19 years or so with the company in totality, mm-hmm. I uh, moved over to uh, uh, my job today with Pacific and uh, Radius and Mortgage Architects. Okay, so I'm going to come back to that to that to uh, we're going to to that point in 2011 when you switched to Radius and ask why and stuff. But before we go there, I want to ask you about a success quote that has had an impact on your life or business. Can you share a quote that has really impacted you? I know you asked for one, but I got two that come into to mind. Okay, one that I learned about 15 years ago when I was down in uh, New York at uh, GE's Learning Center, and and it's a concept that they called. Swipe. So, and so this is just so it's not really a quote, but it is a quote. So swipe, and it stands for steel with integrity and pride. And so, and at the time, I thought it was a bit humorous. But when they went to explain why they actually take this as a valid strategy, I thought it was a very good one that complied to all kinds of businesses, uh, and no matter what we're doing. And that reality is, is that there's a lot of great companies out there that have created a lot of great ideas. Um, coming out with brand new ideas every single day and being true innovators is not easy. But what you can do is look at some great ideas that are out there and take them and maybe improve upon them a little bit and to make them your, your, your own and that much better than maybe what's out there today. So I think that was a great lesson because you didn't always have to try and create the next new thing. Maybe just take something that's out there and just improve upon it and, and do that with, uh, once again, with the uh, pride and integrity. So, so just that, do, do it a little bit, that. just do it a little bit better. Just do a little bit better. And I've been telling my staff and the team that for the, probably the last 15 years that, you know, what are someone else, what are they doing out there? Why do we, we don't always have to be trying to recreate or create a, a new thing. You know, what's out there, what seems to be working and something we can do to make it a little bit better for us. Can you give me, can, I'll go to the other quote in a sec. Can you give me an example of something that you got, that you, uh, your company has seen or you're like, hey, we can do that maybe our version of that. So what's something that you guys have uh, ethically swiped from you've seen in the marketplace? Well, I think that one of the first things, uh, you know, once again, on the, on the lending side and dealing with brokers, back in the, the early days when I was with First Line, uh, when I was just uh, leaving uh, First Line, so this is like, you know, 1992, 93, uh, we came out with a program called Points. So that was brand new novel concept in the industry to come up with a rewards program for brokers and a points program. 
fast forward, I move off into the mutual days before we became AMCAP, and, you know, we were looking at building our business. And so one of the things that, uh, you know, working with my team, we came up with a notion, you know, around a points program. So we came up with a thing called MBUX at the time. Uh, we implemented it. That uh, became uh, what we believe to be uh, more beneficial to brokers in different ways on how to manage uh, their business and how to provide uh, benefits to themselves and to their customers. So once again, saw a great concept, help build relationships with your brokers mm-hmm. that we said, you know, what we think we can take that and manage that uh, uh, more effectively and profitably for us. Mm-hmm. So that would be a, an, an ideal one. Okay, and then tell me about the other quote because we have, the internet has unlimited space so you we can do two quotes, it's no problem. Okay, and the, the, the second quote is something that is, that's probably been, it's a, it's a more current type quote, but it's something that has been very true that I've been using, uh, especially since about 2008, which is stay calm and carry on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I just find that, you know, there is so much happening in our lives and in our world, and especially on the business side and on the mortgage side. We're getting bombarded every day about all of this news around what's happening and a lot of it being not so great news. And, uh, you know, when I see there's at times I go into my meetings with my team and there's seems to be some kind of, you know, panic. Either there's a new regulation, new, you know, regulatory rule changes, or there could be new insurer changes or new competitor so they're coming in space and trying to do something. And there, there seems to be this, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And there's just almost a panic around trying to deal with it. And, you know, what I've found is that, you know what, first thing you got to do is just stay calm. Let's understand what's really happening. Carry on doing our business every day. Don't let it stop us, paralyze us. Just stay calm and carry on. And this really came to effect as we saw in 2008. Mm-hmm. We saw the liquidity crisis uh, happen. You know, what, nothing so bad happened in 2008. <laughs> you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just yeah, kidding. Right. You know, so you know, 2007. We know that we had the subprime crisis, but that didn't really hit hard in Canada and it had a huge impact at that point. But in 2008, that's when we saw it. Right. You know, when we saw the issues down in the states and. IAG and all the different companies that were you know, starting to go under and all the panics that were starting to happen and then the liquidity crisis and freezing credit across the world, that was some very, very scary times. And I think, you know, that was one of the things I think that I felt uh, very proud about at our company is that uh, despite all of this panic that was going on around the world, when we got together and there was, a, you know, definitely a lot of panic happening in our meetings, uh, we did stay calm. And, and try to understand what was happening and try to, you know, just carry on doing our business. And then what do we have to do? What's the next steps? Just don't panic. Don't think we have to, you know, the world's caving in and we got to you know, shut the doors and batten down the hatches and trying to ride it out. No, carry on. And uh, and I just find that it works really well. When you get hung up and caught up in, in stuff we can't control, just do what we have to do. Stay calm and think it through. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good. That's good advice. So I'm also going to, I want to ask you about failure because I know that for me as a mortgage broker, entrepreneur, business owner, I've had failure happen in my life, but there's always a lesson looking back. So can you share an example of something that you'd failed at and then the lesson you learned from it looking back? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, failed. So I, it's, it's, it's one of these things that I always turn around. I don't look at uh, that I failed at anything. Uh, I have definitely made mistakes though, and I've definitely made some big mistakes. So, because uh, I, you know, it's life. You, you are going to make mistakes. I don't consider them failures when you make a mistake. Uh, it, that's that is part of life. So, to put it in the words of mistakes, one of the you know, and then put it into real terms of have I made some mistakes? Yeah. And have I made any major ones? Yeah. And one of the ones that really sticks out to me is uh, this goes back to my days when I was at my former uh, job uh, at at MK. 
happened. This is right after the liquidity crisis came into place, and uh, our investors were starting to panic. And this is now in 2009, uh, and uh, there was all kinds of stuff happening in the marketplace, our securitizations. Uh, if people recall back then, we left 2008 uh, with an average five-year rate at that time was five and a quarter percent in December of 2008. And then by uh, April 2009, uh, the rates were below 4% mm -hmm. and, and falling. That's, you know, where they went to. So it caused a huge uh, run on our books in the sense of lots of people wanted to refinance their mortgages. And, uh, hey, you know, even though I just closed the mortgage with you in November, you know, four months ago or five months ago, uh, I now want to renegotiate my mortgage because, hey, rates are now less than 4%. Mm -hmm. We made a decision at that time to try and protect our investors and work with our investors that we would close down our mortgages and that we would only allow them to be uh, uh, paid out uh, unless there was some kind of emergency or it was because of a sale. And uh, because our mortgage documents, the way they were written, they were actually silent on the ability to pay out the mortgages at any time for any mm -hmm. reason. And so we decided to, uh, to invoke that as the policy uh, to do that. And we decided to do that without making a formal announcement to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we were concerned that to know if we made that such an announcement, uh, this would, would jeopardize potential new business coming into us. And uh, so we wanted to be somewhat careful how we did this. We did have focus groups. We did talk to some of our customers, top customers around the issues and challenges, and they, they got what we were trying to do, but we didn't actually go out and make a public announcement to everyone. So as far as I'm concerned, the biggest mistake is, you know, that I've ever made in my life is not communicating. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, and I just think that's, and, and I've seen it happen before, and I've done it before where, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, life is what it is. And I think if you just, just tell people, here's what the problem is, you communicate to them, here's what it is, and, and therefore, here's why we have to do what we're doing. I think a lot more people would be understanding and go, hey, you know what? That's not the end of the world. We can live with that. Mm -hmm. When you don't communicate and you don't share, and then, and then, then you build this, it's a, you know, it's a trust thing. Right, right. Yeah, that's very true. I remember actually when that happened. And, and so did you guys unfreeze? Like, when did you unfreeze the, the ability to, for people to refinance? It, it, took us, it took us a year to unfreeze that process. Uh, what we ended up doing is uh, we ended up eating those costs and, and challenges with our investors. Mm -hmm. So as, as we told them, don't worry, uh, we're going to protect you going forward. They can't pay out unless it's a sale. If they do, uh, you'll get a premium on your penalties for mm -hmm. breakage of the mortgage contracts. Right. So we paid the premiums. Right. I see. Um, yeah. So I want to go back now to 2011 when you'd said, so you at MCAP, you know, obviously a, a large lender, and then you make the decision to switch to a new company, Radius. So what? Uh, tell us about what happened there to, or what you can share anyway, as far as um, the decision-making process to leave sort of an established lender and start with a, a newer one. Well, it's, you know, it's like <laughs> everything's a small world. So at MCAP, a big part of our business was, was servicing other lenders in Canada, and primarily uh, smaller lenders. So one of my customers at MCAP was Radius, or back then was known as My Next Mortgage. So I was the servicer of the My Next portfolio already. Obviously, had uh, been dealing with a number of the folks who were at MA as customers of mine on the brokerage side. And in 2010, uh, the original owners of uh, 
radius or then my next in mortgage architects, they decided to exit the business. And uh, so the business was sold in uh, March of 2010. And after uh, a year and a half of that, the new owners uh, approached me to ask me to come in and take over running the business. Uh, the world had changed significantly around how my next was uh, initially put together and what its business plan was to what the realities of the marketplace were. My next started as a, uh, a non-prime, an alt-A type lender. Really, I guess in reality of today's world, they were a subprime lender. Mm-hmm. And of course, when that market froze up in 2007, 2008, uh, it changed their business model significantly to the point where they say the original shareholders decided they needed to get out. So as they were going forward into the new transition for new ownership, uh, they were looking for uh, some of the experience and leadership in trying to help build the company. And given I was spent a lot of years with uh, building up the MCAP and the, and the pre- predecessors, they approached me and asked if I could come over. So I did. Right. And so that was in 2011. Yeah. And so how has it been starting? It's almost like a, a startup in some ways. I know that it, Radius is still a big company, but compared to where you were. Yeah. So what what's it like being in the building phase again? Well, it's, you know, it's, well, you hope that you, you learn from some of your previous mistakes and hope you don't repeat them again in the new one. Uh, the great thing is, is that uh, some of the challenges that I've seen uh, in my past, uh, you know, that, that came up in the new company, uh, you know, I've, I've seen it before, so I, you know, I was somewhat able to deal with it uh, probably more effectively than I, than I did the first go around. The going from, the world has changed a lot. So in, in uh, from, you know, even from 2011 till now, with the regulatory changes and the things that have happened, the world has changed significantly. But what I really liked about what uh, was being done at this company was the original concept of the company, which was trying to match up a distribution channel, which is mortgage architects, with the manufacturing capabilities. Uh, in this case, on the mortgage side, which was, was the, the My Next, which we then renamed into Radius. So I always believed, in fact, when I was at my old job, I looked at that as a possibility of trying to create that within the MCAP world, where we wanted to make sure that we had a steady distribution uh, uh, channel that not only could bring us mortgage uh, product, but also could be a conduit to selling other uh, financial products and services. Obviously, somehow, you know, these brokers out there in Canada and in an MA world, you know, you, you convince uh, a consumer who probably doesn't really know who uh, you are, why they should deal with you with their biggest uh, financial debt in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you bring that information together. You then bring them to a lender such as Radius, which they for sure will never have heard of. But somehow you've built trust with them so that they trust you enough to sit to give you that information and and and, and to recommend that they take a Radius mortgage. So I always believe that if you know if you've got a broker that has that kind of influence on a customer, and that broker was then armed with more products and services that you know what else could they bring to those customers that those customers could would want and need that can create a bigger relationship and a longer term relationship with these customers, which we could all profit from. Mm-hmm. So I really you know because going forward we weren't too sure you know what's going to happen in the brokerage industry. We've seen what happened in the U.S. We saw where the mortgage broker channel went from about a 70% market share, where they now drop down to where they're something around 10% market share today. Mm-hmm. We've seen where it can go from one extreme to another in relatively quick uh, fashion. So what I wanted to do to try and protect myself in my old job was seeing that was we needed to figure out how to get a uh, consistent, reliable origination source. Mm-hmm. You look at the banks. You know, and, you know, because I keep saying, and this is all part of that swipe, and that's still with integrity and pride. You look at what the banks do, and I kept saying, like, you know, who's most profitable in our business? Well, it's the banks. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just because of mortgages, it's because of all the other products they end up selling to a customer and creating a customer for life mm-hmm. experience. So I said, like, you know, so why don't we do the same thing? Instead of creating branches, though, and putting all that money into that cost and, and overhead, why don't we just put that back into the brokers, give them that income, allow them to do what they do best, which is go out there and get new customers, then then allow them and give them the ability to uh, to enhance that relationship with other products and services. So that's where I saw the real attraction with this company. It was well set up with a brokerage distribution already and a, a an initial lending base that we can grow from. So the distribution was a key part of uh, the the you know the whole package with the lender and everything. For sure, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I think that you know I, as I've used analogies internally that you know we know that uh, in through past experience over the last you know 10 15 years what the valuations of certain lenders have been that have uh, been sold in the marketplace and it's public knowledge around what they are or if they're a public trading company now what the valuations of those companies are uh, by by the multiples they get you know on the on the public exchange and of course we also know then what some brokerage companies have been worth over the last few years that have been uh, traded and bought and sold. And, and I think we all can agree that there's a much uh, bigger uh, multiple for the lenders versus the brokerage side. Mm-hmm. My view was, though, that if, you know, if, and, we just, and these are just as examples, if, you know, if the brokerage uh, multiple is one-to-one for every dollar you make, you get to, uh, that's what you can sell your company for. And if in the lender, you can sell it for five times for every dollar that you make is what you can sell a company for as, as a pure example. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, well, if I own both, does that mean I'm going to get six uh, times my? I'm thinking I can get 10 times. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is, uh, from a multiple point of view in, in valuations, right. that, uh, we can get more pickup if we can truly have a distribution channel that supports the manufacturing side. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it's a real opportunity. Right. That makes sense. And so just from a, I think you may have just touched on this, but I'm not going to ask for specifics, but is it more, what's more profitable in your experience or from, you know, in general terms, a brokerage or a lender? And lender. Lender? Like, not even close. and significantly more? Significantly more. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Now, okay. In initial terms, right? So initial, t- when you're a startup company, you know, <laughs> they're similar, right? Because as, uh, you know, a lender does not make a significant amount of income on brand new originations. Mm-hmm. So you have to pay whoever originated it, i.e. the mortgage broker. We've got to pay our staff to underwrite them, got to, you know, for securitizing, whatever we might be doing with them, how we are funding these mortgages ultimately behind the scenes, all of that has certain costs. Hedging, all those kind of things we have to put together. So when you actually take a mortgage on today as a lender, a brand new mortgage that you pay the broker for, there's not a lot of profit left in the first term. Mm-hmm. But at renewal time, a lot more profit, right? Obviously, we're not having to pay mortgage brokers brand new and origination fees then. You don't have to pay your staff to re-underwrite the loans, all that kind of stuff. So the, the profits at renewal time are significantly higher. So when you look at a lender profitability, I look at it on the view of a company that's been up and running for a number of years where that they've made the turn, that is, they've started to get the renewals of mortgages they started to end about five years ago. Once you're into that cycle, that's when a lender becomes significantly more profitable than a brokerage company. And that's why you can get a five-time multiple instead of a one-time multiple for yeah. a brokerage. Yeah, as an example. Yeah, as an example. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to switch now to the present. So there's lots of op- there's lots of lending options available for mortgage brokers. I don't know, 50 plus. So what makes Radius unique in your mind? Like what? Why? Why Radius? Well, one of the things I think that we do is I think that 
near and dear to every mortgage broker. The reason that we're going to be successful as brokers out there today, at the end of the day, is going to be because of the choice you can provide to customers. So we we can you know say all day long that you know we can maybe we can provide better advice. I don't know. There's lots of good salespeople I think in the bank world that I've met that have come into our industry. Who I think are very very capable people. You know this, the uh, service levels that uh, some of these uh, specialists can bring. Uh, uh, you know be available 24/7. All that kind of stuff. So some of the advantages I think brokers had historically have sort of been uh, done away with because the banks have figured out maybe where they were weak and they have put in uh, programs to sort of offset that. So at the end of the day, you know, we, we all know rates, you know, <laughs> rates, you can, you can get a, as good a rate, if not a better rate at the banks on any given deal. But uh, for sure, brokers provide an overall an advantage that way. But where the real advantage, as far as I'm concerned, at the end of the day, the brokers have is choice for consumers. And so Radius is another choice for consumers. So it's another choice that brokers have. So I think that's that's imperative. I think the other parts of it are is because we are a broker-centric organization, i.e. we only get business through mortgage brokers. I don't have a retail operation. I don't have a, a direct consumer uh, strategy. All of our business is originated through the mortgage brokers across Canada. So we recognize that. So I understand, especially now that I have a uh, uh, an involvement in a brokerage company, understand more of the challenges when it comes to how that business works. So we've now created programs that can benefit the broker more so than the banks offer, such as we now give brokers more choice in how they want to get paid. So we can pay them up front, you know, a standard way of paying brokers, or we also offer them the ability to get paid on renewals. So this is a you know something that I think that is that is critical for those who are getting into the business and looking at the long-term strategies how they are going to uh, uh, you know make their business and a career in in our, in our industry. You need to start looking about you know what is you know your strategy your asset strategy you know for this business. As we know today there there isn't really a retirement plan a pension plan by the brokerage companies themselves for our agents. You know, so you have to turn around and you have to figure out how to, to make enough money, put enough money away, invest for your future and your retirement. You know, what's the value of your businesses as a broker? Is it just you as the individual or mm-hmm. is it because there's a cash flow that's tied to your business? And one of the things I learned earlier, you know, is that, you know, if your cash flow stops because you stop doing your business, then you have a job. You don't have a business. Right. So I look at it that, you know, a, a renewal uh, program provides you ongoing income streams down the road that can be sold, monetized and sold. So I think we are providing, once again, a, a long-term strategy. That's what I need. I need true professionals in this industry who have a long-term view. And so we provide uh, a funding program, uh, a compensation program that will do that. Besides having, you know, very competitive rates and, you know, in uh, programs and all those kind of things, but, you know, I get that uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's about what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. It's going to be about, you know, the rates and products. Those are given. Service levels, you know, so we are we hire and have been hiring professional underwriters and salespeople who know this industry. They they have worked with and in, 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 in their careers with brokers before in other uh, capacities with other lenders. So because it's different than being a uh, an underwriter in a bank. Mm-hmm. So we believe we have true expertise in dealing with brokers, both on the underwriting and the sales support side. And we understand that uh, you know, compensation-wise, we need to create a program that gives true value 
for the brokers down the road. Right. So I'm going to switch to the future now and just ask you about what do you think is the biggest opportunity for brokers in the next couple of years for the broker well, so business? Well, I think there's, you know, there's the, the opportunity side is a couple things we have to look at. One is, is that uh, brokers have done an amazing job uh, from a market share point of view in dealing with first-time buyers. I think, I think we've seen enough stats over the last uh, decade, either through CAMP or through CMHC or Genworth or others who, who do these uh, uh, regular um, consumer surveys. But we do know that uh, on any given report that I've seen, that between you know, sort of 45 and 50% of all first-time buyers end up going through a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. But I, and, you know, but we also know that overall market share for brokers is somewhere in around 30%. Mm-hmm. So what, we, what I would say where the real opportunity for brokers are is making sure that they stay in touch with those customers. Because we start looking at, and I think there was a report that was put up by uh, Rob McClister uh, yesterday or today, uh, talking about first-time buyers represent anywhere from 35 to 50% of all real estate transactions, purchases in any given year. Well, you start thinking about, you know, if if brokers can take advantage of all those first-time buyers, stay in touch with them, so when it comes to renewal times, that we can stay engaged. So I find with brokers, it tends to be one and done. Mm-hmm. They're about the one deal and then let it go. Once again, if you want to steal with integrity and pride, what do the successful financial operations do across the world? All the banks, whether it's you know here in the U.S. and Australia, Europe, they want not a mortgage customer; they want a bank customer. Mm-hmm. I think brokers have to do the same thing. They don't want to just have a mortgage transaction customer; they need to have a relationship customer. And so, I think that's the key and opportunity for brokers is staying in touch with those customers so they can be involved with all their financial decisions when it comes to mortgaging and other financial services to the life of that client. Right. So they can be involved in any of those, you know, key decision-making points. So I'm going to, what do you think is the biggest risk to the broker business in the next couple of years? I think it's, whether it be lending or brokering, I think it's the same answer, to be honest, regulations. We can all, you know, we can all talk about competition. You know, if you're a broker, I know there's been conversations around what the banks are doing, what some of the sales forces are doing, you know, good or bad, and you know, what's that going to do to us? We talk about the internet, maybe displacing us. We talk about, you know, right sites, maybe they might uh, have a, a negative impact on uh, the way brokers do business and those kind of things. We talk about maybe the lack of awareness that we have as brokers and, you know, if we don't improve our profile and awareness with consumers, uh, that we'll never grow. I think those are all true and, you know, and we can worry about it, you know, especially if you're in Alberta. And what, what about, you know, the, uh, you know, what's happening with the oil and, you know, and, and their, how the effects of the economy and all that kind of stuff. Those are all risks. Those are all things that we all have to deal with. I'm not just diminishing that. But just the one area that keeps me up at night is, I would say, would be regulatory changes. Mm-hmm. Because of issues, once again, the, the government will look at it. And so we, we can have regulatory changes that happen internationally, as mm-hmm. we've seen, where they've changed around requirements around capital holdings and how we have to prepare our financial statements if you're a publicly traded organization. Uh, you know, we got the federal regulations that impact us. And of course, we get right down to the provincial levels, you know, whether you're a mortgage broker uh, or if you're a monoline that's not a defined FI. Uh, we uh, too are also licensed under the provincial mortgage regulations. As these regulators are putting together new rules and new things, we got to make sure that there's no unintended consequences, you know, of, of their actions that could, could impact our business. Mm-hmm. And that's what I fear the most is that uh, there can be a change that can significantly alter the way we do our business. 
Right. That's the, so the re- regulation. Yeah. And we've definitely seen, like, I've definitely felt that even in my business trickle down to uh, more D clients and just m- more paperwork required from clients. And just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I'm sure we all feel it if you've been doing this for any amount of time. Well, you just see that, you know, in this, you know, an example that I would show where it's, you know, people may not realize, you know, or maybe put it right back to regulations, but as, as we know, the rules have changed significantly. And we talk about a sandbox of being of all the Canadian consumers out there who are, who, want a mortgage or have a mortgage as being the sandbox. And we know the government has done a significant job in trying to reduce the amount of sand in that box mm-hmm. that they would feel that they have some kind of um, uh, risk and liability too. So whether it be through the insurers or whatever the case may be. So we do know as a result of shrinking that sandbox down and making the guidelines tougher that, you know, those who truly are inside that sandbox they can they can go anywhere, right? Any mm-hmm. financial institution who has competitive rates would love to have those clients. As a result of that, it's driving everything towards price even further. Mm-hmm. So we're, what we're seeing is the growth of these rate hub type uh, operations. We see a lot of uh, rate buy downs because we're, what we're doing with now we're dealing with on price. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's what the banks are dealing on, that's what we have to deal on. Well, you know, the risks I see on that is as a result of these buy-downs, and we definitely have seen an increase in the amount of buy-downs, is it's less income we're making, right, which erodes the future of our, of our industry. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the attractions of our industry is that you could actually make above-average income in our industry. Mm-hmm. When you do that, it can attract some of the best talent we have in Canada because they know they can get paid. Mm-hmm. Start eroding this thing where it's, you know, hey, we're just getting paid to be application takers. I, I, you know, I think it's not going to attract the talent that we need to be successful in the future. Right. Totally agree. Well, Ron, I have really appreciate your time today. And where can people uh, find you online? You can find me online, ron.swift at radiusfinancial.ca. Awesome. And anybody listening, I'll have uh, links to Ron's to his site and notes about what we talked about. Ron, I hope you absolutely crush the rest of your year and uh, good luck with Radius. Thanks so much, my friend. If you are prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I love mortgage brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing. Since this is exclusive for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.